So welcome to the EMEA version of the V Brown Bags. Um, today we have uh, Michael Gash, William Lamb, and PK. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to butcher your name. <laughs> With the topic of unlocking the potential of events for SDDC automation. Um, this mainly will resolve around the Viba appliance, I'm told. Yep. And Perfect. And just to get the usual housekeeping out of the way, we do have them on a, in EMEA on a semi-regular basis. Um, if we have them, the show runs uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Uh, London time or 8 p.m. Central European time. If you do want to present, we will be running a uh, CNA series uh, in the next couple of weeks. So get in touch with the uh, Twitter hashtag, hashtag VBrownback, uh, or uh, with any of the EMEA hosts um, that would be myself, um, Greg Robertson, or uh, Dan Belmonte. And with that, I'd say we, we have our speakers introduce themselves. Um, I'd say in the order they're going to speak, so that would make you go first, PK. All right. Hey, guys. I'm uh, PK. Uh, my name is Parthiban Kandasamy. I go by PK, uh, and I'm the PM for uh, Viba. Then William, I believe. Hey, guys. This is William Lem. I work on the VMware Cloud team. I'm hey, hey, I'm Michael. Um, I work in VMware Office of the CTO, staff engineer, and working on Viva. Okay, perfect. Well, then I think we can kick things off, PK. All right, awesome. Uh, I just want to make sure that you're seeing the right screen. Yes, we are. Also, if you do have any questions, um, you can either use the chat and post them to the uh, to the panelists, or use the Q and A button. Awesome. And we'll, we'll save some time for questions uh, towards the end as well. All right. Awesome. So, um, yeah, thanks for, first of all, uh, giving us the opportunity to uh, talk about uh, VMware Event Broker Appliance and how we can help unlock the power of events for STDC automation. Um, and as we introduced ourselves, I'm PK and uh, William Lamb and Michael Cash will be uh, doing some cool stuff with the, with, with the demo uh, and showcasing the product. Uh, we can be reached at uh, dl-viba at vmware.com and I'll show you guys more ways to get in touch with us uh, towards the end of the presentation. For this uh, talk, we're gonna cover um, events and what that means, uh, what that looks like with vCenter and I'm gonna introduce the event broker appliance and uh, showcase how we can get to an event-driven automation state. We'll cover some use cases, as well as uh, take a look at the architecture for Viba. And then I'm gonna introduce the functions uh, as it relates to Viba and uh, uh, show you guys some pre-built functions that we've made available, and also covers the, the execution flow, uh, sort of a deep dive on how functions work under the covers. And then we'll, we'll uh, do a release uh, update uh, with some of the, the major enhancements that we provided with 0 0.3 and what that means for you guys. And then uh, Michael and William will take over to do a demo and we'll save some time for the questions at the end. And hopefully by the time I'm done with the presentation, I get you guys excited about event-driven automation and, and how Weber can help uh, provide that to you easily and uh, get you guys excited about deploying Viva in your SDDC and give us feedback about how we can improve the product further. So jumping right in. Yeah, so let's take a look at uh, events. Um, and so with any system today, uh, users typically interact with system using some sort of a command uh, driven model Right, and, and most of these commands uh, tend to uh, induce some sort of a state change to an entity. And, and systems produce these events to, to kind of log these uh, state changes and, and, and they kind of capture what, who made the change, what the change was, and, and when the change happened, right? And these are produced for a number of reasons, uh, from auditing to troubleshooting uh, to analysis at a later point. 
uh, and systems, different systems have different ways of representing these, uh, these events. And if we take vCenter as an example, there are over 1,600 unique events with the version uh, 6.7. And let's dive into vCenter events uh, real quick. Uh, vCenter publishes a lot of useful events. Uh, pretty much any action that you do on vCenter translates to an event that you can uh, see uh, in, the, in the UI. If we were to, uh, and all of the events are documented under the vSphere API reference guide. But if we were to understand how the events are structured, we can look at the top down just to understand the hierarchy. Uh, and we'll start with the event object itself and we, we can see how it's categorized by different objects that, that uh, uh, can be impacted. Like for example, a data center event or a host event or a VM event. And uh, if we were to look at a VM event, we see it's further subdivided into uh, into, by different actions that can be performed on an event on a VM. And let's take a look at a VM powered on event. And we see that it's further uh, categorized by uh, a DRS VM powered on event or a HA VM restarted event, right? So hopefully this gives you a, a, a hierarchical overview of how events are structured and, and gives you that context. Alternatively, you can also use PowerCLI or any vSphere SDK to interact with events. And uh, William Lamb has uh, a blog post out there talking about events and how you can uh, find all the events by connecting to your vCenter and uh, has made uh, a complete export of events available in his uh, GitHub repository. Now let's see how we can uh, talk about the core of what we're here to do, uh, which is event-driven automation, right? And before I talk about the Viva appliance itself, I wanted to show how you can trigger actions based on vCenter events today using alarms, which provides the ability to send email or send SNMP traps or run commands, and, and that, that's triggered uh, by an event within vCenter. However, this limits innovation to an extent because one, you need vCenter UI access, right? Uh, to set up these alarms. And uh, if, you, if you choose to run commands or run scripts, there is probably a, a significant learning curve and uh, you need to abide by some, some guidelines. And, and also there's this, uh, probably a need to write redundant connectivity or platform code. And, and additionally, this, this would be, an additional overhead on vCenter because all of this is contained within vCenter, right? Now this is where Viva can come in, right? And by owning the event routing and the processing off of uh, vCenter, it allows that seamless ex extension of vCenter platform. Viva is deployed as an appliance and uh, it enables innovation without requiring vCenter UI access. And it can also enable a fan out messaging pattern. And what I mean by that is uh, when an event happens, you can concurrently have multiple actions take place. Uh, for example, let's say a VM gets powered off, you can have a tag applied, you can store that event in a database, you can uh, immediately Slack, and all that happens uh, concurrently, like you can uh, kick off those actions at the same time. And Viva provides a function as a service platform, right? And so it enables you to write and execute code written in any language. And so what that means to you is uh, if you have a script written in PowerCLI, you can easily convert that to a function that can be then triggered by a, through an event. And let's say you don't have the time, uh, you can go find an intern that, that's able to write code, give them the requirements and have them have them write the function for you and have that deployed in Viva. Uh, Viva makes it really easy to, to do this event-driven automation. And uh, alternatively, to get started quickly, we also make available some pre-built functions that's uh, maintained by the community and available in our GitHub repository. Hey, PK. Yep. Can I make, just make a quick comment on the previous one? Yep, sure. Cool. Because you, you brought up an important, oh, can you, can you go back? <laughs> okay, thanks. You, you're making an important point here saying, that you don't need access, like you basically decouple the consumer 
um, yep. your business unit or whatever from from vCenter access. That means you shield vCenter not just from resource perspectives, like the more connections, obviously the more resources are going to be used on vCenter, but also from a security perspective. Just because your consumers are interested in certain events, they don't necessarily need a service account or direct vCenter access, which uh, as of today, we, we usually see when you write scripts against, v, uh, against vCenter. So this is a, a, a resource and security um, a benefit and advantage that uh, this de de decoupling through Viva brings for um, our customers and communities. Yeah, and that funneling allows you to really be very granular on what events you're interested in and what channel you want to send them in. And so to Michael's point, right, if you have very specific auditing requirements, you can send the auditing specific events to your security folks and everybody else who does not need to see that information, they don't see that today. You're kind of exposing that information indirectly by providing direct to vCenter access. And so this is really critical um, for some of those cases where you want to basically have some separation of duties. Um, the last thing I will mention here is that, you know, Viva is, you know, put packaged together as an appliance mainly from a uh, ease of consumption uh, for a lot of folks. Um, <clears throat> but underneath the hood, and I think PK will go into this, it's actually running as a modern Kubernetes application. You know, that level of detail you guys don't really need to know about. Um, but you can literally deploy Viva if you have a highly available Kubernetes cluster, and you can actually make Viva highly available um, when you deploy that stack. And in fact, we have some deployments of this running on, on Project Pacific already on vSphere 7.0 uh, or any other uh, upstream Kubernetes uh, infrastructure as well. So the appliance is merely a one form factor of it, but the underlying mechanism can be deployed in a number of different ways. Yep. Yeah, good, good pointers. Um... So let's see. All right. So um, we'll, let me kind of show you guys like what actually is is comprised of the Viva uh, appliance itself. Now Viva is a is a VMware Fling project, and again we we aim like like Michael and, and William pointed out, we aim to expose uh, new capabilities and extend the vCenter platform through to different channels and and new capabilities right uh, and all of this from an through an event driven approach uh, and like william pointed out we're built on cloud native technologies but all that is abstracted away uh, there's kubernetes and containers and fast that that powers viva uh, but you you get to see the appliance and if you're uh, interested you can you can deploy viva uh, in your own kubernetes cluster now uh, we're completely open source and community driven. All of our source code and, and examples are made available uh, in our GitHub repository and, and uh, out there for you to uh, use and contribute. Uh, we're designed to support multiple providers and processors. Uh, sorry, was there a question? Mm, more of a general comment, I think, at this stage. Uh, how would you, since, uh, so I have a support background, right? And I've mm -hmm. seen support tickets come in for flings, which is not the correct way to um, to file support tickets for a fling because flings are not officially supported products, right? Um, yep. What's the, for, for Viva, what's your preferred way of issue reporting then? Just GitHub issues? Yeah. yeah, there's so, two kind of, uh, I'll just jump in there real quick. There's kind of two mechanisms you can interact with from a Fling's project standpoint. The Fling website has the ability for folks to basically comment and just run into just general questions or issues. So there's that aspect of it. There's also the ability to basically file quote unquote a bug. Um, so if you think you found some issues or something's not happening correctly, you can certainly use the Fling's website. They kind of provide that natively. Um, because this particular Fling is an open source project, all of this code is actually on GitHub. Um, so ideally, we'd like folks to interact with us via the GitHub um, repo. You can file issues. In fact, you can in, in, uh, contribute. We've had a number of folks actually contribute code, samples, and all that. Um, so in either of those scenarios are perfectly fine. Uh, but GitHub is actually where we do all of our development. And so if you want to interact with us in a native platform, GitHub is certainly there. Or if you're more comfortable with using the Fling's website, uh, we monitor both, uh, both pages, basically. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, and the team's uh, very responsive as well. So, um, yeah, either ways, reach out and, and we'll provide the guidance that you need. All right, so um, like I said, uh, we're, we're designed to sort of uh, extend support to multiple providers and, and processors. Today, we have uh, vCenter providing the, the event, uh, acting as the event provider. 
Uh, and today we have over 250 downloads of Weber since it was launched originally at VMworld 2019. Um, just as a quick show of stats. And uh, diving into the use cases a little bit. Uh, now, some other common use cases where we see Weber uh, applied or, uh, or this typical uh, monitoring, alerting, or notification. Uh, but now you can kind of watch for the health or availability uh, or capacity, primarily from an event-driven perspective, right? And, and you can watch for events that lead up to an impacting issue and automatically notify through a channel of your choice. Uh, not just email, but, but uh, use any text message, Slack, or PagerDuty, any, any interface that, any application that has an API. Uh, and then you can take that a step further. You can respond to those alerts and, and do automated remediation, right? For example, if you have capacity shortfalls, you can reclaim those capacity or rebalance workloads or allocate new capacity blocks. Uh, now, if you need some sort of a manual intervention, you can automatically, in, in response to an event, you can create tickets, hand it off to different stakeholders and have them review uh, the change, right? And like William said, auditing, if you, if you most companies are, already have some sort of a CM tool, uh, but they're inundated with, with a lot of uh, these events, right? But if you are interest in a, interested in a subset of events, you can absolutely just watch for those using Viva and, and filter out all the noise. Now, some of the other possibilities are you can, you can absolutely go ahead and build intricate workflows uh, through chaining functions. Uh, you, you can have one function call another function, uh, sort of build this if this then that type of logic. Uh, and another uh, possibility is storing these events into some sort of a database or uh, sending them to Kafka for further processing or, or batching. And from there on, you can, you can build your own dashboards uh, and you can uh, take it a step further and uh, have, have uh, machine learning, right? Uh, have uh, this data train your algorithms and, and then use that to uh, predict anomalies uh, in your vCenter workloads. Now, um, jumping into the, the appliance, I wanted to quickly show you guys what makes Viba possible, right? Viba, uh, the, the appliance is powered by the Photon OS uh, and there's a single node Kubernetes cluster uh, and we have Contour providing the, the ingress controller, the, the, providing the plumbing uh, to get to the different endpoints that we expose. Uh, and we, let's, and with this core platform, we, we now have the ability to put together the eventing platform, right? Uh, if we take a look at the event router, which is the, the heart of uh, Viva, there are two containers. One is the tiny www server that, uh, that serves the different endpoints that you will interact with. And then the, there's the VMware event router, which processes the events and, and invokes uh, different processors. Uh, now, once we have this in place, we're now able to hook up to vCenter as the event provider and, and stream all the events uh, from vCenter. Now, the event router then processes these events and then uh, invokes the processor. Uh, now, with Viva, we have an inbuilt uh, processor with, with OpenFAS. And, and with, once OpenFAS uh, component is available, we then uh, make a function where we then give you a function as a service platform, uh, which enables you to write and deploy functions or code in any language uh, of your choice, right? For customers that are on VMC or, or looking to do more with uh, native AWS capabilities, we absolutely have a way for you to hook up to AWS EventBridge as the processor. And from there on, you can, you can take advantage of uh, CloudWatch or Lambda and, and do more there, right? And as you can see, we completely have an open source, a, a sort of open ecosystem, uh, and we want to enable sort of the event-driven uh, automation in an, in an open manner. And once you have the appliance deployed, we make available certain HTTP endpoints, right? So if you go to the FQDN, slash stats, you get access to the telemetry data on processed events. And uh, there's a bootstrap endpoint, which where you can see the logs from the first time we bootstrap the appliance with all the components. 
and then there's a status endpoint where you can check the appliance status. Um, and for customers with OpenFast, uh, there's a UI endpoint where you can uh, go interact uh, with the OpenFast GUI. Now with that, uh, let me talk about functions and, and what they mean uh, and, and show you guys some of the, the examples that we have. So in my mind, functions uh, in the context of Viva are triggered on demand and are a unit of execution of code, right? Like code that's self-contained and does one thing and one thing really well, right? Um, and what I have here are some example or pre-built functions that we made available. Uh, it's well-documented in our GitHub repository and, uh, uh, and, and there are, we have some uh, documentation out there to show you how to deploy these functions as well. And I've, I wanted to show you guys uh, the stack.yaml, which is a, a, the key descriptor that tells Viva how to handle your function, how to handle your code, right? And, and if we start from the top, uh, we need to know uh, what, who the processor is, right? With OpenFast and uh, the gateway essentially is the Viva endpoint. So. Uh, once you have Viba deployed, you'll provide the Viba FQDN as the gateway, and uh, you'll specify the language that you're using to write your function. And the handler is basically uh, the location of the scripts. And uh, you'll provide the image that you're using uh, to build your uh, function. And uh, for those that need some environment variables available to you within your function, uh, you can use the environment tag uh, and pass those on. And then there, there's also an option to uh, load configs. So if, if you have some credentials or sensitive information that you wanna pass onto your function and make it available there, uh, you can absolutely use the secrets and, and pass it on as a, as a uh, file. Uh, and I'll show you how that gets um, uh, made available within your function in the next slide. Uh, and the, this function, obviously we need it to be triggered on an event and that's uh, shown here. That's uh, mentioned under the annotations topic. And I want this function to be triggered on uh, for with a DRSVM powered on event. So th this is a key descriptor that, that tells Viva how, how the function needs to be handled and, and uh, executed. Now, uh, I wanted to now show you guys how the function execution works uh, in itself. Uh, now, at a high level, uh, the VMware Event Broker Appliance is a sort of a black box and enables you to talk to uh, vCenter, get all the events, and uh, has some functions running that is able to uh, talk to external third-party systems, right? Now, if we uh, peel back the layer, we'll see that VMware, the event router, is the, is the key component that hooks up to vCenter. And uh, once it receives an event, it translates that into a cloud, cloud event. And that's, it's basically encapsulating it so the, the functions can have a uniform and a structured standardized way of uh, getting these events. And this gets passed on to OpenFast through a HTTP request uh, argument. And OpenFast then converts this into a, a standard input and, and, uh, and invokes your function. Now let's take a look at what your typical function would look like. Um, here showing a Power CLI uh, calling a Slack API. So within your function itself, uh, like I said, the if you have a config that you've made available, that's located under uh, the folder var OpenFast secrets. Uh, you can read that and and uh, get the get the config that you want. And the actual event itself is made available under the standard input argu uh, argument, right? So in PowerShell uh, or PowerCLI, it's the args variable, and you can read that, convert that to JSON, and, and then get the data that you want out of the event. Now, in this example I'm using, uh, I want to invoke Slack, so I'm just invoking, a, uh, importing the Slack module, and uh, in, uh, creating a message is just a couple of lines code. And once you have that, when the event happens, uh, the function executes and it's able to post a message to Slack. I want to show you guys how different this is in a, in a Python, if you were to write a Python code. Uh, so all that's different in a, in a Python code is uh, the, the event object is now made available to Python in, under a request 
object, right? Uh, and under a request argument. And you can read that, convert that to JSON. And if you implement your business logic from there on, you can, in, in, you can extend vCenter to any third party uh, application ones that, that have API that is, right? We, you can see how easily and, and uh, we, we can make event-driven automation and, and how easy it is to implement uh, through Viva. I want to show you guys some... I, some... Okay, I have one question on that. Um, yeah. What's the delay f between the event happening on vCenter and the event router actually picking it up? Is it immediate? Is it a couple of seconds? Is it a couple of minutes? It's definitely in the seconds range, uh, immediate to seconds range. Um, and also it might depend on uh, what you're doing within your function itself, right? If yeah. your function... Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm it. not talking about the, the delay that the function needs to run. It's it's really, if, if you look at stuff like VROPS, right, which can also mm -hmm. take vCenter alarms, for example, VROPS runs on a five minute cycle. So um, worst case, you have a 10 minute delay uh, oh, for no. for VROPS to pick anything up. Same for LogInsight. LogInsight runs on cascading five-minute schedules to to see uh, to run queries, right? If you yep. want to automate things uh, for event-based uh, monitoring, especially. Um, so this uh, the event router picks up vCenter events within a couple of seconds. Then. Yep, but it's very immediate. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yep. All right. Um, and then I wanted to talk about some, some release updates. The teams uh, worked a lot uh, with the latest uh, release uh, and made some significant improvements. Um, even though it's a dot release, it's, it's, a, it's a significant change. Uh, so I want to spend some time talking about it. Uh, so with 0 0.3, we now support multiple events per function. So uh, previously, we, we just had support for one event. Uh, that, that can trigger a function. Now, now, now a function can be triggered through multiple events. Uh, and we've made a breaking change, uh, but, but this sets us up for a, a, a better future, right? We're conforming to cloud events, uh, which uh, provides a, a standard way of uh, exposing the events. Uh, and we're designed to now kind of allow different stream providers and processors so we can uh, go beyond just vCenter and, and OpenFAS. Now with uh, 0.3, we've included the support for AWS EventBridge um, as the stream processor. And, and you can see we, we, we've implemented with kind of the extension, future extensibility in mind. And uh, we now also support all vCenter events, including the, the extended events uh, that are available. And uh, we have also made available the new stats endpoint uh, that, that provides access to the telemetry data with 0 0.3. So with that, uh, I'm gonna transition it off to William and Michael to, to show you guys the product live and uh, showcase some of the capabilities that it has. And also just a quick reminder again, if you have any questions, feel free. Um, use the chat, use the Q&A actually. Are you guys able to see my screen okay? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, cool. So I kind of just started off the deployment, but just so you can see, like, hopefully uh, in this demo, you'll have to be able to see how easy it is to basically take an event in vCenter, or historically, you have to write all that code, right? And, in a, and sometimes in a particular language, right? Because maybe that particular SDK is easier to use. And the idea is we want to make that super simple. And that stack.yaml file, I'll show you in a second, it's literally pasting in the specific event that you want. And that's all you have to do. There's no additional code that you need to think about. And the beauty of something like Viva is that we allow you to really focus on what we normally refer to as the business logic or the thing that you actually want to do. Whether that's sending a message to Slack, sending that a text message. I mean, you can even send a physical letter. Um, there's a bunch of services out there that have APIs for that, right? So the idea is that you get to really write just the minimum amount of code to do the thing that you're interested in. And everything else that gets the event from vCenter processes it, all that information is all done for you automatically, and that's part of the Viva offering. 
Um, and so just before I get started, there was a repo that was mentioned by PK. Um, so by default in 6.7U3, we have about 600 events. If you look at VMC M9 right now or the M10 release, there's over like 1900 events. So there's even more coming, right? Um, there's a script that I put out there that you can actually generate this because every single environment is actually slightly different. Uh, out of the box, there are a certain amount of events that vCenter has, um, but as you add new solutions, whether it's second or third party, like backups, for example, monitoring, they might actually inject their own custom events. vCenter is very extensible from that standpoint. So you might have 1600 out of the box, and maybe if you look at one particular environment, you have, might have more. So there's a script out there that you can run that generates this, and you can actually quickly search through the event name, right, what you're interested in. Maybe there's a description. So this is how you basically figure out what kind of event that you're interested in. So no longer do you have to really play around with the APIs. You can just come here and just start searching. So this is something that's available for you guys. Fling is available here, downloaded via the Fling's website. This is where the OVA is, is available. And then if you're interested in the actual source code, you can go to the GitHub repo. Uh, here I've got this uh, VMware Cloud and AWS infrastructure set up, and we're going to go through this environment. Um, so standard import of the OVA. There's a couple of uh, pieces of information that you'll need. Obviously, the first thing is going to be setting up the networking aspect of it. This is no different than any other uh, VMware appliance that you might have deployed into. Um, because I'm deploying this in VMC, I'm actually going to be natting this interface so I can actually reach it. So there will be some configuration settings that I'll be uh, accessing. Give us the EC2 address. Oh, there we go. Just took a second. Okay. So when we come to in here, there's a couple of sections. Uh, we've kind of reorganized the uh, OVF properties uh, just to kind of make it something simple. The first thing we're going to take a look at is basically the networking setting. No, no real surprise here. Uh, since I'm deploying this in a VMC environment and I'm going to be exposing this uh, via NAT, uh, you know, I'll need to enter an FQDN, but ideally this would be some FQDN that you would basically specify. Uh, in terms of the IP address, here we're going to specify our CIDR prefix. Uh, nice. So basic network. And then if you have any kind of networking proxy, there's a section for proxy. So these are optional again. Uh, next up is going to be your OS credential. So this is going to be the root password. Um, to your VBUG clients. By default, we actually disable SSH. So if you need to get to the system for whatever reason, um, these are the credentials and you need to turn on SSH. Next up is going to be your vCenter endpoint. Um, so in this case, we're going to be running this against VMC. Um, this can be on-prem. Um, so again, just any valid vCenter endpoint is all, all that we require. And the port to be opened would just be the normal HTTPS port then to, to go against Correct. the API. Yep. Yeah. So minimum requirement is just a read-only account, port 443 to vCenter. No, okay. no other settings. So you don't need to make any actual changes to it. So the, very simple from a requirement standpoint. Um, and then if you want to disable TLS. Um, and then next up is you specify the processor. As you mentioned, we support two different processors. So depending on what you're trying to consume, if you're in VMC, um, there's a very high possibility you might want to interact with some of the native services in AWS or any cloud services for that matter, um, since you're running in the cloud. Um, if you want to basically write your own functions in any particular language, you might choose OpenFast. So here in this uh, deployment, we're going to choose OpenFast. Michael is actually going to take us through an event bridge scenario so you can kind of see how both work. Um, but this will allow you to basically tell us which processor you're interested in. And we only deploy the configuration and ultimately the specific containers um, that are running in the appliance. So there are no additional um, containers that are running that aren't required. Next up, we're going to fill out our OpenFAS configuration. So there's going to be a uh, password um, basically protecting the, the UI endpoint as well as the API endpoint. So we'll go ahead and specify those right now. Um, and then again, if you're deploying AWS EventBridge, you go ahead and enable that. Uh, we also have a debugging section that allows you to have further customization. Um, we'll just leave these off, but these are things that you can actually use um, to debug the system if you're having some issues. And then we'll go ahead and deploy so I've the ran into this with other appliances. Uh, I assume the PodSider network cannot be overlapping with a network you're actually using, right? So you should double check that that's, as well. That's, yep, that's correct. Yeah, so we, so these networks, these networks are kind of the default from a Kubernetes standpoint. Um, and there's really no way to protect it, right? Because there's so many different possible network combinations. So these settings are really, um, allows you to basically customize it. So like Frank mentioned, if you're on a particular network that is the default for Kubernetes or Docker, for example, uh, will allow you to basically tweak those and then that will go into the deployment model. 
And the deployment's fairly quickly once you get it up and running. And I'll show you what it looks like once it's finished the importing. It takes a couple of minutes and basically it sets up the Kubernetes infrastructure, takes in all the configurations you've provided it, and inserts them in the various places so that we have this system fully operational in a couple of minutes. And with that, then one more question. Uh, you could configure one vCenter endpoint. So is it a one-to-one -one mapping to, to a single vCenter or can you configure more than one vCenter in a single VEBA? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so today we um, have a one-to-one -one mapping. The change that we introduced in our 0 0.3 or the latest update allows us in the future to be able to have multiple vCenter sources. Um, there may be reasons why you might wanna have a one-to-one -one mapping, um, maybe for a particular environment, maybe this is a development environment, another environment's production. Uh, but in the future, we'll wanna be able to support multiple event sources, so not just vCenter. NSX has been, traditionally been the more popular one that's come up after vCenter. Um, but today we are, are limited to just one vCenter, but hopefully in the future, we'll be able to unlock that capability. Okay, cool, thank you. Okay, so we're almost done here. We'll go ahead and power it up in a second. And then uh, if you actually look into the console, you can actually get some progress um, in terms of what's happening. Um, so you kind of have a feeling for where things are at. So we finished the deployment. So now we're just gonna power it on. So you can see it's already starting the customization. So this is where it's taken in the root password that you provided any kind of network configuration and goes in and sets everything up there. Uh, once that's completed, it's gonna set up the single node Kubernetes cluster. Um, and then it's gonna start up um, all the required containers. And we actually pre-download a lot of the images. And so you can actually run this behind your corporate firewall. So I know that there are some questions early on is, you know, do I need the internet to use this? The answer is no. Obviously, if you're gonna rely on containers that might be publicly hosted, you probably need to download that and have that running in your own private registry, uh, such as Harbor or something like that but there are no requirements to basically go out to the internet. Um, but if you are using some cloud services uh, like Slack, like PagerDuty, you certainly will need a way to basically go out to the internet. And that's what the network proxy settings are there for if you need it. Have you tested this with uh, vSphere HA as well? Especially uh, in terms of? The the internal Kubernetes comes up correctly and then um, restarts all the, the pods um, appropriately? Or is there anything right. you need to take care of manually after? I, I've seen both ways <laughs> mm -hmm. with Kubernetes. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the nice thing about Kubernetes. I mean, today it is still a single node deployment. So um, the, the manifest themselves will ensure that, hey, these containers are up and running unless something happens specifically. Um, that's done for you automatically. And so you can issue reboots and the system will go ahead and automatically recover. Okay, so now that we've got this uh, deployment, uh, one of the things that we can actually do is actually go check on the endpoint. Um, so if you come over and just open up a new, new tab, it usually takes about a second or so. So we can actually even log in to take a look so I can kind of show you the inside. So these are the different containers. You can see here that we have uh, various namespaces, right? So we have the VMware namespace that will basically run the event router. We have Project Contour, and obviously we specified an open fast processor. So you can see that's up and running. So now all the containers are, are operational. So if we go back to this endpoint, we'll now get this. Obviously we don't have a uh, valid certificate, um, but if we did, and we also have documentation now on how to actually um, bring your own uh, TLS certificate. And so for customers that actually want to have that endpoint secured uh, using your own valid certs, you can certainly do that and affect the change. And so this is the actual interface when you come into the system, right? So we have OpenFAS, we've got nothing deployed. And I'm going to walk you through a very basic workflow where we're going to basically take a VM and we're going to power it on and we want to capture that powered on event. And I actually want to apply, automatically apply these to your tag. Um, so before we get into that uh, particular demo, we need to set up some things uh, or have something set up here. Um, so we'll go ahead and create a new tag category. Let's call this events and we'll go ahead and apply that to just our VMs. And then here I'll go ahead and create a tag. Let's call this the brown bag. And one of the things that we're gonna need in a second is gonna be this uh, ID. And this is specifically for the sample that we're running. Um, so it really depends on how the function itself is, is being uh, triggered. 
Um, so if we come into our, our um, configuration file earlier, we talked about this YAML file. So let me make sure that this is enlarged now so you guys can see it. Are you guys able to see that okay? Yeah, that looks fine. Yep. yep. Okay, cool. So again here, you specify the, the endpoint here. I'm just running this on VMware Cloud and AWS. So I'm gonna have a public endpoint. Um, and as an end user, all you really need to worry about is just really this one single line if you're a function consumer, right? There, so there's really two classes of folks, somebody that may write their own code, um, but you can certainly just consume what's been out there. And, and a lot of the samples that are really quite popular for a number of the basic use cases. So here, the scenario is I just wanna apply a vSphere tag and this happens to be in Python. We actually do have a sample using Power CLI and you can actually create other samples. But if you're just wanting to use a function, um, all you need to do is specify your endpoint for Viva and specify the events, right? There's no code that you need to write to say, how do I connect to this vCenter? How do I write the appropriate API for the event manager, query through the system, have that information then sent out to another system to process your results, right? And that's really the power of Viva is that we wanna abstract away a lot of those details and make it as easy as like, you just tell us the event that you want, right? And this is the ID that shows up in vCenter, which is also available in that GitHub repo that I mentioned to you, right? Um, so if you wanted to trigger on an HA event, you go look for the HA respective topic, Right? It can be VM created, VM deleted. We have so many different examples, right? But literally it's just specifying this and it's comma separated. So I can actually have a bunch of other events um, all triggering off this particular function, right? And this right here tells me what, what function I'm actually calling into. Now for each of these functions, there usually there's gonna be some type of credentials that you're gonna pass in. Here, because this function is gonna affect this VM, we actually wanna make some changes to the VM in terms of tagging. Um, so there's going to be this external file that gets read in. This is a secrets file. Eventually it turns into a Kubernetes secret, right? So here I'm passing in my vCenter server. This is actually running internally to the network. So it's actually talking to the private IP of my vCenter. Earlier you saw me create that tag. So I'm just going to copy and paste that. And then this is an attach operation. All of this is actually defined by the person who wrote the function, right? So I could have been actually a lot nicer. And instead of asking for this crazy long ID, I could have just said, give me the tag name, right? And when this gets passed into the function itself, it's gonna go do the look of itself, right? But just in this particular example, it's just using the raw ID um, for speed and purposes. Okay, so now that I got all of that going, um, we also want to um, set our endpoint. So this is actually where I'm gonna go ahead and deploy uh, my particular function. And so here we're gonna be using the CLI called the fast CLI. And one of the first things you're gonna wanna do is basically log in to the, uh, log into their API endpoint. This is no different, um, sorry. This is no different than I, me logging into the UI. And so you'll see this for a second. Okay, so now the credentials have been saved. And you can see earlier, I mentioned I had this config file, right? So here, this next line right here is going to create the VC config file. And this right here basically acts as a Kubernetes secret um, that's gonna be right into my function. So I can securely pass in any kind of credentials, maybe some tokens if I'm working with Slack, there may be some things I don't want to be in plain text. This is how you get to define that. And this file format can be any format. This happens to be a Tomo file. This can be JSON, this can be CSV. It can be an Excel doc if you want, right? Ultimately, the important thing is how this gets read in by your function specifically. Oops. Oh, yeah, it's not helping to actually be inside the directory. Um, okay, so we've got a 202 here. And then all we're doing left is basically deploying our stack.yaml, right? So this is the exact same file that I just showed you. And we're just saying, go ahead and deploy it. And now we get a 202 accepted, right? So now OpenFast has taken that function um, that, we've, uh, that we're consuming, right? I didn't have to write any line of, lines of code. I'm just using a function that's been pre-created. And if we actually head back over to our portal, we can see that the function has been deployed. Uh, we can see that the status is now ready. And uh, pay attention to the invocation, right? This has not been executed at all yet. So I come in, if I take a look at this VM, just happen to have a VM here. Uh, let me refresh. Uh, like I said, one of the most popular demos is actually auditing and security aspect of it. You know, given the amount of changes that happen in infrastructure and not realizing how destructive they can be. Um, and we've seen a lot of cases where environments are getting hacked and you're not even aware of it or changes are being made without you being knowing about it, right? And so one of the really popular one is just VM reconfiguration. Well, one, something that's really not, you know, well known to a lot of people is that every change to a VM we actually capture that delta. So for every change that you make, we have a specific event for that VM. And we tell you specifically what was changed. And so if somebody goes in and modifies a VM, adds some CPU, adds a memory, 
maybe adds an additional disk that it wasn't there supposed to be with. We actually capture the information. And so one popular use case that we've seen is that um, customers are able to pick up specific events that they care about. Maybe users get deleted. Uh, maybe a VM gets deleted, maybe a VM gets changed, maybe a host configuration, and they can cherry pick those things and have that forwarded off to a dedicated uh, data warehouse, right, for auditing purposes. I used to work for a very large um, enterprise where we had to have keep two years worth of, uh, of audited information. And as you know, if you keep two years worth of information in vCenter, that becomes a very big database, right? Uh, and ultimately, I only care about a couple of those specific things that I already captured in the event payload. So using somebody like Viba, I can actually take that out send it to a specific um, external database, and I can actually do offline viewing, provide access to that, and not providing direct access to vCenter anymore, just like Michael mentioned. So we have the VM powered off, um, and here we can see that I already executed, so there's one invocation, right? And so on. So now if we go ahead and power on the VM, VM gets powered on, we refresh it, here we can see the uh, event immediately gets kicked off. So you can imagine, it's actually, it took me longer to refresh the UI to show you the state of the system than this execution happening, right? And this is happening asynchronously to the system. Uh, and you can see here it's uh, invocation count is two. So you're gonna ensure that changes in the infrastructure, you no longer have to manually audit. You don't need to make sure that you have processes in place to make sure that people follow particular directions, right? This can happen transparently behind the scenes for you. Um, and this is really the power of um, event-driven automation and really focusing your efforts on the thing that you want to happen, right? Um, that function is really, all it did was basically apply a tag. It didn't care about how I got that VM, what should I apply, right? That is provided out of the band. And that's really the power of Viva when you start to look at it. So, can everyone see my screen? Yes. Yep, you're good. Yep, yep, okay. So, what we see here is that we also deployed EventBridge um, as a second appliance. Um, and uh, I could also see, already see events coming in, so this one this one works. And you might ask, what what is EventBridge? And so PK in the beginning mentioned this that uh, there might be um, cases, and we've we've seen these use cases and requirements where you either run close to AWS, like on VMC, or you have a specific need to integrate with AWS and be just forwarding logs into like from vCenter into AWS CloudWatch. And so instead of, um, which we had, like there was this workaround before, you would write an open fast function and then it would just forward. We, we thought about what about having a native integration instead of writing your function, you would just basically natively integrate into AWS. And so AWS has launched last year, they launched AWS um, or Amazon EventBridge, which is similar to Viva. <laughs> I, I wouldn't directly compare it, but conceptually it's similar in terms of there are sources there's the event bridge service, and then there's destinations, how they call it. And so sources can be AWS services like EC2, um, SQS, what have you, um, can be other SaaS applications, which um, companies, partners might provide, or could be custom apps. And so in our case, Viba is a custom app that injects and forwards events into EventBridge. And then EventBridge itself is like a very sophisticated event uh, processor with filtering logic and, and highly scalable uh, offered by AWS. And uh, if you want to play with it, it's, it's free for, I think, a million in event invocations. So like there's likely you're not going to hit that um, with your uh, personal account. And uh, then you, you have some rules which match on specific events that you can configure or fields in, the, in those events, which I'm going to show in a bit. And then these rules also define where the event will be sent into AWS. And most popular, obviously, Lambda, their function service, or notification services like SNS, etc. There's a lot of targets um, that are supported on EventBridge, and more are coming. So we expect that AWS EventBridge uh, will be like, like most of our customers, joint customers, will use EventBridge for their own processing logic, and will have this requirement of um, uniting both worlds like the vSphere or VMC environments with the AWS environments from, from different teams. So having, having said that on EventBridge, um, you've seen the deployment for OpenFast. EventBridge is just another processor which you fill in um, the configuration options. And it's detailed on the um, Viva uh, website, the GitHub repo, which we sh uh, share at the end of, of the session. In EventBridge, you configure your event bus. You can have multiple of these event buses. And then essentially what you have is a rule. And the rule is associated with a pattern. Pattern is nothing but a match on incoming events. And then it tells the uh, EventBridge um, bus where or if 
to uh, forward these events. Now, how does Viva know which events to send to EventBridge? Because we don't want to send all the events to EventBridge because that would be maybe like a lot of bandwidth, but also cost associated with it. So in, in case of Viva, we've taken this approach of you configure an event pattern and in AWS on your EventBridge instance. And it follows this structure of the incoming payload. And when I show you a payload, you, you basically see that there is a subject field in there. And we use the subject field to uh, identify the event type. So um, that could be, for example, DRSVM powered on event. Now, this is an array, a JSON array here in the event pattern on AWS. So you can specify multiple of these events. You can specify uh, matches, like it starts with, or it ends with, or it's greater than, less than. So there's a lot of filtering logic that you can put in these event patterns here. But the Viba um, appliance will use these patterns or this pattern here to understand which events it needs to forward to EventBridge. So everything that matches to these four types, Eviba will forward. If there's another event like user login session event in this case, it would not be forwarded to EventBridge to not occur any cost and bandwidth. Okay, so how does it look like at the end of the day? So I, uh, here I show a um, VM configured uh, or reconfigured event. So I have set up my rule, this rule here, with one target. You can have multiple targets, which is like the fan out that PK described in the beginning, where I'm sending all the incoming events matching to one of these subjects or event types to CloudWatch. It's just a log forwarder, if you will. And this is the incoming structure in, in CloudWatch, um, how the event from Viva, like from vCenter over Viva to uh, EventBridge and then to log in, uh, log CloudWatch looks like. You see a detail field, field here, you see a subject field here, and that's how the event bridge pattern matched. So it matched on this VM reconfigured event. And then you see the whole uh, data that vCenter sent us. That is, that is all here in data. You see the key of this event, uh, which user triggered it, which data sender, etc. And then you see full formatted message. You can even see what has changed. So I attached a, a disk in this case. Uh, it's a lot of data that, and, and payload that is sent. You can, you can literally match on any of these fields and, and values that are in there. And then there's, a, there's kind of a summary here, config changes like modified, added, and deleted. And the beauty of this is this can be used for auditing. Um, like we, we've seen use cases where people just want to audit uh, v, v motions, migration events, or in this case, reconfigure uh, changes events where they say maybe uh, CPU has been added or memory has been added. Um, you want to log that to uh, as an email or um, as a Slack notification, or you want to rever revert that like in Kubernetes where Kubernetes sees if the desired state does not match the current state, it will just reset it. So you could write a function that just uh, reverts this. And uh, if you want to go further, something that we are currently exploring is putting this or like extracting these messages here into something like um, text-to-speech where like all the cloud providers uh, offer this already. And so you would submit the string or any, any of the fields that you're interested in in these events and forward it to um, any of these uh, text-to-speech services. Um, I just need to ch check whether I have share computer sound on. Let's see if this works. Viva Open FAS on 10.2.32.4 in SDDC data center is powered off. Uh, hopefully that, like, could you hear that? Did it come through? Through? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay cool. Just yeah. Fine. So this is, yeah, this is just an example here, right? This, I mean, I, I copied it in here and I played it here because I don't have my home set up here, uh, my Google Voice Assistant, but you could, you could literally go that far and say like, okay, I've got a monitoring setup where people are notified for critical events on Slack, on email, on a uh, voice assistant, but I'm also on mobile if there's nobody in the room because everyone is at home. So um, the, sky is, the sky is the limit with these functions, be it using OpenFAS or EventBridge. And I think Viva is a, is a good setup uh, or is set up well for these different use cases. Looking at the time, I'm gonna stop here and give it back to PK and Frank. All right. So let I guess what, yeah, I just want to end uh, with uh, some some closing says, you know, there are uh, a lot of possibilities that are available um, and, and yeah, it's truly endless. The question is, how are you planning on using Viva? Uh, and you can, uh, you can absolutely reach us on, uh, 
sorry. Uh, you can reach us on different channels. Uh, we're available on vmrcode.slack.com uh, at the channel vCenter Event Broker Appliance. Uh, join the community in, in, in discussing Viva. Uh, and you can reach us uh, if you have ideas, tweet at us. Uh, our handles are provided here. And if you have any uh, feedback, feel free to email us at dl-viva at vmr.com. And our repository is uh, located under the VMware samples. Uh, location uh, and if you see any issues uh, definitely feel free to uh, open issues uh, under the github repositories yeah. just one more question um william mentioned some example functions um and some example code to be available i would assume that is on the github page as well yep. yeah yeah if you go into the github there's an examples directory and you'll see different languages uh broken down by the different use cases. And so there's a lot of just ones that are out of the box that you can just consume, like I mentioned. Um, like the tag example that I actually just figured out why it didn't work. So if we still have some time, happy to show that to you guys. But if not, uh, you can take a look at this example function section here. And then there's some instructions on how to use each of these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm quickly showing you guys uh, where to find the examples. Uh, it's under our GitHub repository. is organized by the languages that they're written under. Uh, and it, all the documentation on what it does and how to deploy those or, or uh, under those uh, example functions. And then I w wanted to thank you guys again for your time. And uh, if you like our initiative, support us and start the project on GitHub. Um, and I'll turn it over to Frankie and uh, we can take a look at William's uh, demo if we want. Yeah, so um, don't only start the project on GitHub, right? Actually use it. <laughs> I, uh, that, that, that's far more important, I think. Yep. Uh, if, if you've identified a use case, um, feel, feel free to download it. Uh, I'm going to personally use it in a couple of projects uh, that I'm having, simply because uh, certain APIs are... Uh, not very easy to consume or can't monitor everything if you have a CMP running on top of vSphere. So this is where I personally see a very, very nice use case for, for Viva in, in my own projects, actually. So again, we really would like you guys to take a look at it, give it a try in your home lab environment. Uh, let us know if there are some particular use cases that aren't covered. Uh, we have PK from the product management team that's really interested in kind of hearing feedback and seeing how you might like to see this evolve over time, whether that's an appliance, uh, multiple vCenter support, maybe NSX support, uh, maybe a native Kubernetes offering. All these things we're definitely open to. So I uh, really appreciate your guys' time. Yeah. And it's especially important that, that one thing you mentioned, uh, this can trigger on VM deletions, right? Because alarms do not. If the object That's doesn't correct. exist That's anymore, correct. you cannot alarm on an object in vCenter. Uh, yes. I, I, th and that question comes up every couple of weeks in GSS tech support as well. I want to alarm on a deleted VM. So finally, we have a solution. Um, I think we'll do one last shameless plug because this is not the only appliance that you've built, William, right? Um, do you just quickly want to share the other appliance that you've built? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, this other project, uh, let me see if I can pull up first, uh, is something that we've, we've been, you know, given the, the uh, situation at hand today, um, you know, for at, as, a, as, a, as a world, you know, there are some things that, you know, VMware and many other organizations out there is trying to help with. And so one of the things that we've uh, I've been fortunate to be part of amongst other folks at VMware um, is uh, folding at home. And this is like a distributed protein folding effort. Uh, it's been around for probably several decades now. Um, and I came up with the idea amongst with other folks um, to be able to help, you know, with the COVID-19 and, and, and in fact, other diseases. And so we put together this virtual appliance. It's 270 megabytes, so super tiny. Um, it actually has the folding at home uh, software. It's pre-installed, it's a virtual appliance. You can easily import into your vSphere environment, can run in a workstation or Fusion. Uh, and if you have some available CPU capacity, it's very CPU um, intensive. That's really where it, it, it uses its resources from. Um, you know, feel free to join uh, Team VMware. Our ID is 52737. It's actually encoded in the appliance. Um, but if you wanted to support other causes, if you want to join other teams that are available, you can certainly do that. Um, but we recently released this as a fling 
um, to help kind of with the efforts. And we've had over 300 plus folks contribute over the weekend. I think we've had like 1500 downloads, which is probably the largest amount of downloads in, in just a couple of days of releasing the fling. Um, and we're constantly making updates to the effort. And so if you want to help uh, fight some viruses and all that, uh, feel free to uh, download this fling, but this is uh, free for use. And um, really thanks for the, uh, thanks for your support. Thanks you guys for presenting today. It was a lot of fun. Um, I learned quite a bit and I hope the audience also learned quite a bit. Yeah, thanks for everyone's time. Thank you very much. And those with, feedbacks. Yeah, with, with that, we'll close the webinar. Uh, we'll look forward on hosting a couple more vBrownbacks on um, a CNA topic uh, in the coming future. So I'll tweet out uh, those sessions once we have them available. Have a good night and good afternoon, everybody.